Hello and welcome to Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast. That one where your hosts Lily, hello, and me, Hannah, go A to X through grunge, indie, alt rock, pop, movies, soundtracks, TV, and general generation Catalano goodness. And we are back with a new series with volume four and with a brand spanking new theme tune. Thanks for that, Lily. Love it. <laughs> That's well. taking ages. Yeah, not being any kind of expert in this kind of thing. But I will say that uh, my kid walked in while I was uh, playing it back and he said, Mummy, is that Pearl Jam? And I was so proud because it was just a teeny tiny clip. Oh, not at the blur bit then? No. Great. We're not going to mention any others because we're going to leave it to the end. But please feel free to um, amaze us with your ability to tell us what every track that we shoveled onto the new um, little jingly theme tune thing that we've got going and uh, yeah we'll be really impressed if you know them all first question get it right get some merch yeah <laughs> yeah but wait Brandon surely doesn't want any more merch <laughs> I think he's over it Can we get some new merch and then we'll send Brandon some more but uh, yeah <laughs> anyhow so we're back volume four you're kicking us off aren't you with A yeah we're back at A again which is a really strange feeling you know I, I worked out that we've now done 81 episodes, so this is at 82. Do you want to tell us what it's going to be? It's a bloody lot, isn't it? Um, yeah, so it is, uh, A is for Tori Amos. Woohoo! Hannah's a bit <laughs> sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it once we get going. Okay. <laughs> or, or you can just tell me you want. That's okay too. All right, so Myra Ellen Amos, born in uh, August 1963 in North Carolina, but raised in Maryland, uh, her father was a preacher, Tory, as she became known, uh, by a friend who said she reminded him of a Tory pine. Wow, well you've blown me away already, because I just assumed her name was Victoria. Oh, well, job done then. Should we go home? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, a Tory pine is, yeah, like a kind of a, sp- a spreaded pine tree, kind of scrubby, so I'm not really sure that I'd be massively, um, you know, flattered by that comparison. I'm, I don't really understand it, but anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting one. What would you have Maybe been no. called if you'd renamed yourself by one of your childhood nicknames? <laughs> I'd rather not say. <laughs> uh, anyway, she was a piano prodigy. Uh, she started playing at two and a half. Whoa. Her brother was taking lessons and she didn't need lessons. She just got straight up and started playing things by ear at two and a half. Um, How annoying. Her brother must have hated her. I know, probably. Um, so age five, she was the youngest admission ever at the Peabody Conservatory of Music, which is a big fucking deal. Five, that's insane. Yeah. Um, so, but she eventually left there age 11 because her scholarship was, I don't know if they called this, are they discontinued? Are they revoked maybe is, is a better word? Uh, because she was never able to learn to read music, which would be a challenge in a conservatory. And she also was really into rock music and, and, and was quite rebellious and obviously they weren't that into it. Wow. Well, it turns out she didn't really need the conservatoire anyway. Uh, no, but probably her parents at 11 were like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here for six years. This is where your life was headed. And oh, sure now it isn't. Proud of her now. Oh yes, I'm sure they were proud of her then, but it's a lot to uh, live up to, isn't it? Mm. If at five you're a prodigy or even three. Quite. So anyway, she ended up uh, getting going in her career with her band, Why Letter Can't Tori Read, which was about her inability to read music. That was the name of the band? Yes. 
it, it was basically one of those things where it was it was her. Mm. It was her songs and everything, and then there were some musicians. Bit of a uh, mouthful. Yeah, it is a weird one, especially for the 80s, you know. The, that wasn't really the kind of flavour, was it? And they were, they were synth pop. I've got a bit. Go on. Uh, one of their singles, The Big Picture. Here we go. It's so damn 80s. <laughs> Listen to that. It's like the beginning of Heather's. It's quite a lot of attitude, isn't it? What would Peabody have made of this? Uh, Well, I think we know. (laughs) Probably why she got the boot. It definitely sounds like her already there, doesn't it? I'm feeling shoulder pads (laughs) and Elnett Hesbury. Big hair. Very big hair. She did. I'm going to put a picture up on on Instagram of her hair. It's straight out of, yeah, just 17 in 1989, basically. I think I'm going to spare us all the rest of that. But, um, yeah, Matt Sorum of uh, Guns N' Roses, latterly, uh, was a part of the band. What no way. Very ashamed of. And... (laughs) Uh, Steve Caton, who's a lifelong collaborator at this point um, and a guitarist for Tori pretty much to this day. So, okay. The other interesting thing about Tori before we get into the um, rest of the album, which I am doing Little Earthquakes. Yeah, I should probably have mentioned that. Yeah, it's Little Earthquakes today, guys. 1992. Um, Tori has um, a type of synesthesia called chromesthesia, which is where she sees music. Right. In colour. So when she's writing a piece, then she knows kind of what notes need to go where because that's where the flow is headed, and which is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, What was I going to say? Other synesthetes. She kind of sees the aura of the music, like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's sort of rising and falling, and and certain notes are certain colours, and so notes that are complementary of each other will go together. That's blow my mind again it makes life easier as a musician i imagine you know you just be like oh yeah that goes with that mm. no problem flat there <laughs> crack on not that i know obviously <laughs> loads about music and i also like tori cannot read <laughs> music at all um i have a form of synesthesia but it's a really really boring one <laughs> i wish it was something cool like this that can actually I help you not mention it now i didn't know that what's your form mine is the very boring spatial sequence synesthesia which is what I can see time and space in my head, like what I consider to be yes, the passage of time and cal- like, you know, a year and a week and, and they have colours and Yeah, I still don't get that. I can kind of go around it. It's like a shape. Wow. But I didn't realise it was a thing. No. It came about at a dinner time. Um when I don't know why, but I blurted out that Wednesday's green and my dad was like, hmm. Yeah, my brother was like, no, it isn't. And then my mum just sat there and was like, what the hell are you all talking about? Does your dad have it as well then? Yeah. Oh, wow. So is it something, yeah. did you but kind of think... Un- unuseful. Did yeah. you kind of think everyone thought that way yeah. until you realised they didn't? Right. Well, yeah, because in my mind, everyone has to see like a month yeah. laid out or a year or even like like where you were born in 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 space. Like, so in the space of time... What, where is that relevant to and what's it near and how far back is something else? It gives me kind of a sense of proportion. Hmm. I just need to see month by month in my family planner <laughs> who's doing what every 
well, day. Since I've asked people, a lot of people just see like, um, if it's a day, they just see like the word, whatever it is, like Friday or Saturday. It's like, boom. Yeah. Oh, the wow. word there. So I don't know if that's a kind of synesthesia because I see it more as a kind of a wheel. And it's colours, but they stay where they are, if you know what I mean. Anyway, there's some really, really cool ones there. Mine's really boring. Um, Marilyn Monroe could taste words. Wow. So certain words would give her the taste of, for example, like bitter lemon or meringue or something gross, which she didn't like, depending on what the word was. So therefore she didn't like that word. Wow. I wonder if that's like if you say it or if she just hears it. No, if anyone says it, I think you get that feeling. Wow, you, know. you could really ruin someone's day if you knew that. If you knew which words <laughs> set them off. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, there's there's uh, several times or like um, there's like a part of like or having like eidetic memory, being able to remember certain things. You know, some people know what the weather has been like every single day of their lives. Imagine if someone. <laughs> imagine if like someone tasted Brussels sprouts every time they heard the word love. <laughs> Like, be really mean, you know. I love you, Brussels sprouts. Mind you, I like Brussels sprouts, so... So do I. bother me, but... But I think it's it's made up in your head, so it's not like this empirical thing. It's it's like what you don't like. Like, I have a friend who hates the word moist. She oh, loads of people hate the word moist. Really, really funny mm. about it. But she loves the word platypus. Platypus is a great <laughs> word. Yeah, flabbergasted, I like. It's a bit like platypus. Do you? Mm. You know? I'm petrified. Like... For some reason, I've always quite mm. liked that word, too. Petrified is really good. Mm. It's like that movie Petrified Forest. I didn't know what it was about, but I was like, sounds fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I thought I'd put down some more um, interesting people's um, synesthesia, but I didn't. So anyway, we'll crack on then. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned loads already. Not that Tory, but... Although technically, well, that is so cool. But uh, I think a lot of musicians... I've said that they can have this. I'm really gutted because I thought I wrote out this list. I did read a list and I was like, wow, amazing. <laughs> I didn't write any of it down. So um, we're going to go on to... Um, well, I was going to play Crucify. Oh, yeah, here it is. I like this one. Started off well. But this... apart from that 80s atrocity. <laughs> this was the first single I bought of hers really back in the early days when I didn't have that many singles and I'd never heard of her before so I think they must have been playing on the radio this was the fifth single and to get released from uh, Little Earthquakes on CD or cassette what did you have on it was a CD Um, so the album came out in February 92 and um, this single was released in May 92 and this I love the cover as well I was so excited like I love the song I heard it on the radio I guess went to our little tiny record shop next to the public conveniences in my town. <laughs> Didn't last long, and we never had one before then, apart from Woolies, you know. <laughs> but on the cover, it's like her black background, and she's got like, uh, you can just see sort of her, you know, a decollete, and she's wearing a spring onions, but connected by their roots, with still dirt on them, as right. a necklace around her neck. I think I've got it still probably somewhere upstairs, but it's a fantastic cover. It's brilliant. And it, I think it does sort of tip you to the fact that she isn't really that sort of um, run-of-the-mill or Gin- every day. What, what was the relevance of the spring onions? I don't know. I just look cool, I guess. 
I thought it was. I'm warding off vampires. I still think she didn't have any garlic, but you know, spring onions. Yeah, they'll do. Oh, Fresh spring onions as a necklace. That's <laughs> stuck. Excellent. God, you need to wash your hair after, isn't you? I think there's another cover um, of a single. I'm sure someone will know uh, where it looks like she she's like beautifully made up, and then from you know her chin down, it looks like she has honey poured all over her. Yeah, she's, she's a weird chick, you know, in, a, in the best possible way. The perfect thing for the alternative early 90s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, did I say this got to number five in the UK? It Don't did. So. Um, so this song is about how she felt um, about the band um, Why Tori Can't Read um, and how she compromised herself trying to fit into this kind of cute you know, hot chick thing and she was super young and, you know, she'd come from this prodigy background and, and I think she just regretted trying to make herself a pop musician. Mm-hmm. Because she said as well that and down the street, while she was in LA uh, trying to get a deal and, you know, starting to write uh, some of the tracks, Tracy Chapman uh, was recording in town and she was doing her and not trying to be anything mm-hmm. and just, you know, totally um, original and then Melissa Etheridge was also recording and she was you know strong woman and yeah I think she just felt a bit disheartened that she was that woman but she wasn't portraying that yeah yeah um so she needed to be authentic and start all over again good um apparently the lyric I've been looking for a saviour opened a door in her that she felt allowed the demons to come in and she sort of admits there's a dark side to her writing and she just lets it happen and it kind of flows through her. Did she let on who the saviour was or, or it was her when she realised that she could do it, like Melissa? Well, yeah, probably. Um, uh, apparently lots of US radio stations wouldn't play the song because of the title. Didn't necessarily know what it was about, but you know, it was called Crucify, the Bible Belt. Uh, wholly and fully rejected it. Um, I, I love it. I still love it. I think you could, I think she could come out with this today and doesn't yeah, sound dated to me. Yeah, it's not, it's not dated. Um, fun fact, it was featured in Homicide Life on the Street. Oh. If you ever saw that show, I love that show so much. It's so good. It was like the precursor to Law and Order. It's like a Dick Wolf crime procedural and it had some of the people that ended up in SVU and Law and Order. And yeah, stuff. yeah. It was so good. I've got the DVD upstairs if you want to borrow it. I've only seen a couple of episodes. I don't remember this on it at all. Oh, so good. Um, So I think we're going to go to... Actually, you know, I didn't have this one because it was the US uh, single, but this was the B-side. Which I think you've probably heard if you haven't already mentioned when talking about one of your fave bands yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention it later if you haven't already I, I, I do yeah she's because she's quite renowned for her cover versions isn't she she's on a lot um, this is one of the ones that I do like a lot like it stopped me in my tracks the first time I heard her version of it um, and had to look up who it was because I didn't realise I didn't realise it was Tori Amos but um, others mm, definitely not so keen on Pictures of You the Cure one 
and you're like not that a fan of her really so well yeah i mean yeah I yeah. think it, she made it something completely different, which is what a good cover does. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, her Madonna Frozen is fantastic as well. Have you heard that? <laughs> no, I haven't. That you is know, I brilliant. I'll go a long way to avoid a Madonna track. And that one is very good. You should listen. But yeah, like I don't dislike Tori Amos, but I've never, I've, yeah, I've never called myself a fan of hers either. And I think it's because it's probably won't go down very well. But I'm not a fan of. Kate Bush at all I just don't like her voice at all and it grates and I just find it too similar I don't find it as grating as Kate Bush's but I don't know maybe it's starting with Cornflake Girl but there's certain songs of hers that I just don't find really difficult to listen to because of the similarities what? of Kate Bush you don't Bush. like Cornflake Girl? I, I do like it so I can I can tolerate Cornflake Girl tolerate? but that's where it <laughs> it's fine but I just picture Kate Bush in my head when when I hear it. But then this—that was what my husband said. Oh, you, you doing that woman that sounds like Kate Bush? And I was like, What are you talking about? Yeah. And he was like, Yeah, she sounds like Kate Bush. I Honestly, agree. I love Kate Bush, as you know. I, I was listening to uh, the whole story in my car the other day, singing along quite happily. Obviously, no one else was around, and my children weren't there to scream and, until I stopped. But it's never—I've never likened them in my head at all. So apparently, I'm. I can't have them. Exactly. To me, she's not as banshee-esque as Kate Bush, but <sighs> Hush, I can't. I, yeah, I can't separate them. She's such a feminist as well, which I would have thought would really speak to you. Yeah, as I said, I don't dislike her. I like many of her songs. <laughs> well, I'm not trying this to one in particular. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm not a fan. Well, Tori played this song uh, on the piano in Berlin the night after Kurt died, but couldn't really finish. Yeah. So it's a yeah. Bit a bit full on um, Kurt himself said uh, it was a great breakfast cereal version of his song oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a play on cornflakes is it but to be fair you know he, he never really had much to say uh, that was complimentary of other people's covers of his really <laughs> he wasn't a massive fan um, anyway I wonder what Courtney made lovely god she's gone off on one this week Have you? Oh, yeah. did you see what she said about Mark Lanigan I did. Um, you know, the one thing about Courtney that you can rely on her really is to make it about her yeah. <laughs> at all times. I mean, she's she didn't... There was things that she said that were correct, mm. you know. And she didn't come off brilliantly in Sing Backwards and Weep at all. But he did say that she paid for his um, rehab and, and kept yeah, him yeah. there. And he did credit her with a few things. It but just, he also slagged her off a lot. It's just too soon. Not the time or the place to... Yeah, just... R.I.P. Mark Lanigan, by the way. It just... Yeah, she could have waited a bit longer. Or... I did like Kept though. it for a book, like she said she was going to do. And well, the, the, the end of it, where she's like... And and Anthony Kiedis and, and all you other motherfuckers oh, who've written little books. wieners and stuff. Yeah, it's like, I'm coming for you. On, just wait until my book comes out. I'm, I'm telling you everything. I was yeah. thinking, fuck yeah, I'm buying that. <laughs> and I bloody love Courtney. You know I do. But I read that and just thought, oh no, I can't defend you. I cannot defend you. Yeah, but then she took it down. She did. She yeah. replaced it. Yeah, yeah, fair. So I thought, you know, at least she's, she's realised that Maybe that was a bridge too far kind of thing, and you know. Yeah, but then so. you know, some people wrote, "Well, look, it's her experiencing her friend's death. Yeah, who are we to say how she should deal with it?" And actually, she, you know, she did. I mean, her reaction to, yeah, no, I mean, let's not go down that road. But it must be weird when you're at a time like Lanigan was, where people are literally 
you know, dropping around you at such a young age, at, mm. at this age, you know, I was thinking it's really sad. But at the same time, you know, we nearly lost him many, many times. Yeah. In terms of, you know, how badly it could have gone back in the 90s. So it's, he is a bit of a cat with nine lives, isn't he? I mean, how he managed to get to 57 really is incredible. Well, yeah, yeah. I saw Jerry Cantrell today was saying something about how, you know, he's just fed up of having to talk about, you know, how he kind of feels being almost the last man standing kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's what it is, isn't it? I know, I feel like we need to get tickets for Jerry Cantrell. Yeah, <laughs> <So laughs> just pack them all in. I, mean, I, I, I thought I'd see, you know, Audio Slave or Chris Cornell or Soundgarden one oh, day, and I was wrong about don't. that, so I've still got to bear that. All right, let's move on to the probably more gloomy further delving into Tori's album. It's not party tunes, all right? You know, it's not going to get the, the thing going, but it is beautiful. Okay, this is Girl. Um, this one, uh, Tori describes about finding herself uh, from going from child prodigy to vapid bimbo, or vapid if you're American, sorry. Um, so, so referring to the 80s band again. Is yeah. That, yeah, right. Um, so it's kind of a, a coming of age tune and she's been everybody else's girl maybe one day she'll be her own that's one of the lyrics how old was she when this came out then? um so she must have been wait what did <laughs> was it 92 this came out yeah uh yes oh god she wasn't a spring chicken was she I don't know, I don't know how old she 63. is 63. 63, yeah. oh, right. oh wow. No, she's born in 63, so. Oh, right, okay. Oh, That's so interesting, actually. What is she, like 50? So I she's can't five do years. that quickly. I mean, she's younger than that. I'm going to look it up. 52. 52, 53. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is lyrics... pretty, I like this. It, there's no Kate Bush in this, it's, it's fine. <laughs> one of the lyrics is, is, sit in the chair and be good now. And how she resented being told what to do who doesn't frankly I think it had something to do she she lived with the grandparents or they lived very close to the grandparents for a while and the grandmother was she's described her as awful and you know how she was always saying you're filled with the devil so you're playing this rock and roll music and or, you know not doing what you're told and you need to find Jesus and so Tori would retort um, that maybe she didn't believe in God and stuff but, Bet she didn't like crucifying me. She said her mother was, would act scandalised, but she could tell she was smiling out of the corner of her mouth. She quite liked her small acts of rebellion against Grandma. <laughs> In fact, talking of religion, she has described herself as being a recovering Christian or a former Jesus groupie. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way it builds. I was going to ask you if it's becoming too Kate, Kate Bush for you. This is great. Um, she got quite a lot of criticism in the 90s, if you... I think it was criticism. So the NME called her a grade A, class one, turbo-driven fruitcake. <laughs> Which I think, I think is actually a badge of honour, really. Yeah, it sounds like a compliment. But you know how they like fawn over PJ Harvey? Mm. How is she... I, yeah, I, mean, I did that... I think they they're might. natural best friends, you know. Are they mates? I don't know, but maybe they are because Tori lives in um, in Bude in Cornwall. Oh, really? Oh, maybe wow. they are mates. Nice. You'd think. 
And it's so weird to think of her like going around Morrison's. It's yeah. <laughs> bizarre. Oh, waitress, I reckon. I don't know if there is one of you. <laughs> I'm bound to sure. be. You think you can't do it? it's a bit too local. Yeah, her daughter. So her daughter, Natasha, um, was a boarder at Sylvia Young's stage school. Oh. Um, because apparently she said, uh, if you bring me up the way you were brought up in America, I'm, I will leave home. <laughs> So it sounds like she's a chip off the old block anyway. <laughs> oh, when Q called her a weird chick. It's a bit, a bit of a lazy description, I think. <laughs> Alright, I've got a I've got a, a smack in the face coming next, okay. Alright, this is me and a gun. Friday, um, Friday morning, Thursday night, far from sleep. I'm still up and driving, can't go home, obviously, so I'll just change direction, cause they'll soon know where I live, and I wanna live, got a full time and some chips, there's me, and a gun and a man on my back and I sang holy holy as he buttoned down his pants holy shit you can laugh yeah kind of funny the things you think times like these like I haven't seen Bob Vegas so I must get out of okay, this is like obviously really harrowing. Um, it's entirely a cappella. Not written to be a radio single, then. Eh? No. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny actually. She did release it as a single in the UK, and the reason that she recorded in the UK was because the record company were like, England has a greater, you know, palette for the uh, weird chick and. <laughs> So um, she came over and recorded with one of the guys from Tears for Fears. Oh, right. And um, this was, yeah, the first single. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't get any play, um, obviously. So it's like really... Um, uh, well, it relates to uh, the rape at Knife Point that she suffered at the age of 21 in LA. And very, very disturbing. Very kind of, it reminds me of like a, you know, like a, one of these sort of, folk tunes mm. you know the kind of lamenting yeah yeah definitely which it absolutely is um and it talks about all the strange thoughts that you have when something horrible is happening to you and your brain like just thinks about something else and mm. you know she's like well i can't die because i haven't been to barbados yet you know and what's she gonna eat and um <clears throat> so talk about talking taking the power back because she's she plays this at gigs still um Jeez. And um, there's no, you know, metaphors or insinuations. She's like just giving it to you kind of straight. There's literally no way to kind of misread it. Um, so she said that, uh, well, it's difficult to go back and, um, and visit the situation um, night after night on tour um, and year after year and decade after decade. She wouldn't have it any other way as it helps remind her that she is uh, not a victim and that she won and... 
that she has love in her life and um and she was actually triggered to write it um because uh, she'd watched Thelma Louise oh wow do you know if the rapist ever got caught I don't know probably not let's face it um but she after seeing that movie she said she had to go away for quite a long time and just be by herself and mm. just think about it and kind of work through it and then that's where the song came from just being alone and that's why there's no musical accompaniment there was no there's no dressing it up there was no making it nicer it's not a nice song mm. you know and i suppose maybe for someone who loves music you you'd want to add that but anyway to move on because that is a, a horrible horrendous thing quite like Fiona Apple and many mm. female artists actually have gone through something um, horrendous like that. And the B-side was silent all these years. And that's what ended up getting all the play because people were getting the single and they were like, fuck, no, I can't put this on the radio. You know, like it's just harrowing. Um, so they played the B-side instead. So she never actually intended to release silent all these years, which is one of my favourites. But it got so much play because they didn't want to play uh, Me and a Gun that it ended up being released as a single and um, BBC Radio 1 named it as a song of the week. If you sit real still, I got the antichrist in the kitchen yelling at me again. Yeah, I can So this was her first UK charting song. Uh, peaked at 51, but then they re-released it. And got to number 26. Yes. What's it called again? Sorry, I'm just making good. <laughs> Silent all these years. Which again is, to me, is one of those sentences that's just beautiful. Oh, it's just beautiful. And you know I love a bit of orchestration as well. You do. Pretty. I think it's charming. And the song is based on the fairy tale of the Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. Not the Disney movie. <laughs> Which, did you know that came out in 1989? Or the movie? Gosh. The Disney Little really? Mermaid. I could have sworn it was a It was way later. I know. Very weird. Yeah. Oh, I love this. All the bird songs, that's beautiful. Fun fact, um, finally, about Tori. Her grandfather is Cherokee and taught Tori about song lines and how um, directions to places in native tongues are built into songs so that you'll never lose your way. Oh, nice. I believe the, the Aboriginal cultures have as well in Australia the song lines. Also, after leaving uh, the Peabody Institute, um, Gang Kate Bushy here. <laughs> um, Tori played piano in bars around Georgetown, chaperoned by her dad. It's like an opera by itself. Just picturing Chiffon and searching for Heathcliff on the moors. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Dare you? It's about the Little Mermaid. Didn't you hear what I said? It's not three I'm sure the Little Mermaid wears chiffon as well. Oh, I'd love to keep playing this, but we have got quite a lot of tracks to crack on with. So this is Precious Things. In 1998, um, 
Amos told MTV Storytellers that this song was written behind a church about pushing back on expectations and not accepting a small amount that women are traditionally given um, because they were not allowed to take or earn for themselves. Is that panting? What's that sound? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's a bit Kate Bushy. I'll give you that. It's yeah, the first time that I've I've sort of seen the similarity. Maybe it's just because like Kate Bush did that thing where every song is this complete world. You yes. know, it's this whole creation. So I guess I've never never really completed the two of them, but that maybe I can see that because every I will say that every song, especially if you like it does create pictures in your head and takes you to a place. Same picture generally for me. <laughs> yeah. I think she probably does the same, you know. She's obviously quite a visual person, so. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, it contains the lyric, which really breaks my heart. He said, you're a really ugly, ugly girl, but I like the way you play. Gosh, that's mean. It's also like she's like about men and you know there's so much more to love than what you seem to think that there is and one of the lyrics is so you can make me come that doesn't make you Jesus <laughs> and she said she hopes the song inspires women to know what they're worth and demand more so that is what the panting's about then. very suggestive Grandma wouldn't have approved. Oh, gorgeous, I love it. See, you're really not with it, those of us. Just Kate. Why are you ruining Tori Amos for me? Keep things quiet as possible. That's great for a pod. We should play the album next time, and you can draw your own conclusions. <laughs> I can't say something nice. I'm trying to think of nice things. Well, that normally counts for not on a Some nice things. <laughs> All right, but oh, maybe, I don't maybe, like it. maybe you'll like Strings. winter better. I, I, yeah, I do, I do like winter, actually. Well, it's a bit long, is what I'll say. The tunes are quite <laughs> Don't long. worry, I'll cut it short for you. It was the fourth single. They're like all over the five-minute mark, aren't they? Um... This one was inspired by her father, who asked her, uh, because she was talking about the album and how, oh, it's shit, isn't it? And, you know, I'm no good. And, and he said, when are you going to accept that you are good enough for you? Oh, oh Is that a compliment or not? <laughs> I think it is, is it? Yeah, I thought it was, thought it was sweet. Like, have confidence in yourself. It sounds a bit like, you just got to accept that you can't do any better. I'd, I don't I'd that take it as a slight, I don't know. <laughs> You're very defensive tonight, though, maybe that's why. <laughs> Any other day, if we were doing the Mannix, you'd be like, aww, isn't sweet? <laughs> we will do the Mannix. Oh, no. I don't like that threat. Um, also, um, and I'm, this is really interesting, because I think this probably applies to all musicians. Um, not that I would know, but I imagine. She said that this song... Um, has changed in its meaning throughout the years whenever she's singing it so the pictures it creates or the things that it evokes in her mm-hmm. are different so when she's sitting on you know different stages all the time and playing and singing and 
It originally was about her father, but it has sometimes been about people in her family or friends or situations. Yeah. And it, it just becomes this whole, takes on meaning as time goes on and she keeps singing it. Yeah, I remember talking not that long ago about someone who said exactly that about one of their songs, but I can't remember who it was. We've talked about it on here before. Um, Green Day, was it, maybe? Maybe it was Basket Case or something. She said it's like flipping through a book of Polaroids. Okay. Every time she plays pictures a song again, yeah. Pictures. yeah. Maybe that's why she liked the cures pictures of you, and then ruined it. <laughs> um, so each meaning coexists simultaneously. It doesn't replace it. It's just yeah. added to the to okay. the list kind of thing of experience. Hmm. Um, Cindy Pomano, uh, who is a celebrated British photographer, um, directed the video for this song and several others actually on this album, and took all the photos. So the picture of Tori in a box. Oh yeah, for the for the cover and the Not back so. and the mushrooms and the all the cover art as well. She's very very talented. All right, you don't love it, do you? This is no, I do like this song. I mean, I don't love. <laughs> I yeah, I like it. All right, I'm going to move on to Happy Phantom because this is a bit of a palate cleanser, I find. Bit of a sorbet. Yes. Sounds a bit cornflake, girly. Then a moose bouche. <laughs> <laughs> Say a moose bush without thinking of Frasier. It's very cool, like Ernie. It's, it's jaunty for her. Mm. She's very funny as well. Like American Doll Posse was some very funny tunes too. Where she had all these different um, personas that she performs as in uh -huh. one album. It's very off the wall, I love it. Fine by me. <laughs> Come on in, Kate. Um, There's another song about killing your old self um, and creating something new and more authentic. It's a bit cabaret. Yeah, I just like it. It has been described as such. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me of what was the Rufus one where he had the video. It very yeah. much reminds me of Rufus, yeah. Um, she's. She said that she felt a responsibility to change the face of piano music. That's the biggest one with what people were imagining. I think she did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure Rufus would have gotten away with half as much. Lastly, if it wasn't for Tyrannus. Right, I'm going to play China next, which is the third single. It was originally titled Distance, which is a theme of the album, yeah, some feel. Becoming, it's a definite coming of age, age album. And apparently it was the first song written for the album too. So this is a lament of lost love. But Tori said it came about after listening to a lot of Barbara Streisand. Really? How could you not write a love lost song after listening to a lot of abs? So the reason she lives in Cornwall is that she married a music producer who is British. Okay, is he her producer? Yes. Well, they met because he was um, her touring producer. So he was like the front of house guy. Right. And they fell in love. I wonder if he likes Kate Bush. I might find him on Instagram and ask him. Hopefully not as much as Tori. <laughs> um, 
I've always thought Tori's a very beautiful girl. But I have noticed just lately, I'm not even lately, probably in the last 10 years, I think she's had some injections. She's had a bit of work, I think. It's a bit much. I think, you know, she was great as she was. Like, like slightly puffy face thing. You know how like Courtney Cox was yeah. in the papers a few years ago, she just... She looks a bit stretched now. Well, it's like to kind of get rid of your wrinkles or like dark circles, they inject yeah. that stuff. Don't need to do it, ladies. It just makes you look like you've got a really bad hangover. You know, Tom Jones, don't need to do it. <laughs> Tom Jones. <laughs> Actually, talking about hair, hair jobs, the hair dye jobs. I did notice some of the pictures of um, Eddie Vedder on stage. It's like I a knew bit you were going to mention Eddie. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got like a brown football helmet happening a little bit at the moment. I don't like it. Mm, yeah. Just grave with dignity. Stone it up, buddy. Yeah. Just, yeah, get rid of it. I mean, you know I'd rather walk on my lips before criticising Eddie, but... <laughs> it's like he's taken up, you know, like a round brush. And he's had like a... A blow, oh, just put a blow job, yeah. a blow dry. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably oh too. no, but it's a bit boo fonty, isn't he? But, I mean, we he did... that. <laughs> Sometimes he wears the baseball cap, doesn't he? So, and I always assumed that was to, you know, because he had a ball. Well, yeah, it's a bit receding. Maybe that's what the um, blow dry is <laughs> about. Um, covering oh, some, some aspects. Oh, how superficial of us. Back to the music. <laughs> I know, I'm just talking about this beautiful song. Um, so, two members of Tears for Fears uh, are musicians on this track. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Here Will, we go. There we go. Will Gregory of Goldfrap is playing the oboe, which he also played on Tears for Fears album Songs from the Big Chair. And the video is on this rocky beach in, in North Cornwall. And uh, she said it was freezing. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> She's like in a kind of a stone-coloured catsuit, crawling on the on the rocks. Ouch. Um, anyway, then it pissed it down. And she had to just sort of grit her teeth and bear it. Um, but she said she powered through. And when the other guys in the video who had jackets on asked, how did you do that? She said, because I've been in the edit suite when they go, where's the other reel? And there is no other reel. So she thought, rather than have to come back out here and do this on another day, she just sucked it up. She also directed by Cindy Palmano. Okay. She should have got like, like a neoprene, you know, like a proper like wetsuit and painted it up like pebbles and she'd have kept toasting warm. You can see the wind as well, like her hair's all whipping around. <laughs> Bloody freezing. <laughs> But just wore a dry robe, <laughs> like everyone else oh, in Cornwall these days. <laughs> Don't. Oh, um, my stepdaughter sent me a picture from New York, and it was a picture of the dry robes have made it. Have the they really? The yeah. oh, it was no. the camo one as well. Oh dear. Yeah, Lord. it was a sad face. <laughs> she said. <laughs> it took them took them a year or so, but they finally made it over there. <gasps> no! Oh no! Take your dry robes. What is that Instagram? Oh, there's a few. There do you like my coat? Now, or do you want, do you want yeah, a coat? Or I don't something? know, there's a few now. It's really funny. It's a murmuration of drawings. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So Hannah sent me this picture. It was artwork of, of like it was it was a play on the murmuration of starlings that fly over um, Brighton Pier, and someone had done a murmuration of dry robe wearers. 
And so she sent it to me and I was showing my stepdaughter because we always laugh about people wearing them in the park. I mean, fine if you're on the beach and you're using it yeah. to like, get into. Like, I get it. For a cold water swim. But taking your dog for, I don't know. And they're unbelievably voluminous. They're huge. <laughs> you look like a, you know, camo kite. And and then we look closer and there's a big cock hanging out. <laughs> several of the... I totally <laughs> haven't noticed that when I sent it to you. I do apologise. I had to send it to my husband who managed to max them out. <laughs> Make them a bit more child friendly. But anyway, brilliant picture. Maybe we could get the original Maybe, with yeah. the dicks coming out. <laughs> yeah, anyway, speaking of which, here's leather. Were we speaking about leather? No. Look, I'm standing naked before you. Should have got a dry rope love. <laughs> £185 or something insane. <laughs> it's ever been back. <laughs> okay, so Tori said that, um, well, in 96 on tour, she said that this song was written when a friend came over to borrow some sugar and Tori decided to play her a new track from this album. Naked? She was. In the doorway? What? No, it's metaphorical. No, uh, she played her a track and this girl said, well, it's not very catchy. I'd agree. So anyway, after this person left, she wrote the song in eight minutes, and it's like, you know, what do you want from me? Um, Catchy pop song, apparently. Oh, it was used in Oz. Did you ever watch Oz? Oh, is that the prison one? Yes. Yeah. So good. Another absolute brilliant TV show. I could watch that again. I think I'm going to have to. And um, this is very funny. She has been told that um, her, this particular tune is very popular in gay bars and um, with strippers on the pole while they're on stage but also um, pole dancing classes it's also a big favourite <laughs> really? What? I can't yeah. really see that it's a bit slow apparently people love it Hand oh is it because of the leather? like is it whips and stuff? Or I guess Yeah. bondage yeah. it's been a while since I was on the pole <laughs> I couldn't really say why, what do you like to dance to? <laughs> Madonna, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, not this. Papa, don't preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that working on a pole. Oh, God. All right, we're going to move on to the much more... Well, it's called Mother. That's good enough, right? <laughs> is it about her, I don't know. I've, I've lost my words. I was mother. I think. It is. Her kind of mother. like, well, Winter was about her father and the words that her father said and she wanted to write a kind of a, a female side of a song. But it's also about um, what she feels is a misunderstanding that God is a man. Why wouldn't okay. God be both? Mm -hmm. You know, that it wouldn't make sense to be one or the other when, you, when you're God, you'd be both. You'd be all things. So is this when she was still a believer? No, I don't. I don't know. I think it's probably difficult. It's difficult for anybody who grows up with religion. Mm. And then, you know, imagine if your father is a preacher as well as your whole life is about it. You know, yeah. and there must be kind of expectations and stuff on being brought up that way and you have to be this and you have to be that. Tell me about it. I went to Catholic school. I was going to say, <laughs> footloose. You Still know, have that Catholic Dad's a girl. preacher. You're going to be shagging, doing drugs, <laughs> getting pierced, doing all sorts, you know, super, super early. That, that rebellious knee-jerk thing. Yeah, no, I didn't get that far. 
Yeah, she she says she identifies it as being not just about Mother Earth, but Mother Creator. Glazed over. <laughs> no, it's just it's just too Kate Bush. Um, tear in your hand. Oh, I like a la la la, sha la la. Oh, okay. And this one's about going home again. That feeling you get when you've left home, but you come back for the holidays or something. That nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which we've all had. I can barely remember, but yeah, like so. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? The weird well, strange coming homecoming. Home. Coming home for Christmas. Yeah. Hmm back to this place that you know really well and it's such a part of you. It's funny actually, just on the walk down here I was thinking about Liverpool for some reason and about how I cried all the way home from Liverpool when I finally left it because I really didn't want to go home. For me it's the best city in the world and the place where I actually grew up. Like it was nice but I've got no desire to ever live there ever again. I was going straight to London so um, a builder, a friend of the family who lived in Nottingham drove to Manchester, picked up my shit in the back of his white van and drove me back and it was a great feeling. <laughs> I was like, yes! Yeah, no, it was the opposite. Take the opposite. me to London. Um, so in the lyrics she brings up uh, Neil Gaiman. If you need me, me and Neil will be hanging out with the Dream King. Were they amazed then? As in, like, the writer? Yeah, she just loved his work. She had been given um, his uh, graphic novel series The Sandman. Okay. which uh, the Dream King is, is a character. So she added it and then Neil got wind of it and wrote to her back before there were emails um, and they started up a correspondence and became very good friends. So she has frequently referenced his work in her work, which is so cute. Yes. Can't, can't good get into My friend really loves him and I've tried, but... Even though, what was the... Did you see the... Net, was it a Netflix? If you don't like Tori, you probably won't like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. He's got children's books as well, though, hasn't he? I haven't tried those. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'd be more on my level. No, I do like what a Philip the, Pullman book. What was the televised series that you had? And it had that bloke from Hollyoaks. Um, <laughs> not the one that you know. Like Callum, I think, in Hollyoaks. How do you even know that? Because I used to watch a lot of Hollyoaks in the nineties. Oh, I was going to say, so it was in the nineties. Yeah, like yeah. Current. Yeah. No, I mean, the TV series came out, like, I don't know, five years ago or something. Oh, I don't have a telly. Uh, I miss a lot of stuff like that. Well, Unless Netflix. someone tells me to watch it. It wasn't, it wasn't BBC or anything. It was Netflix, wasn't it? I don't think I've had Netflix that long. Oh, name a very famous Neil Gaiman book, and it'll be that one. <laughs> really long. Well, we had it in my book club, you and I didn't finish it. DIY that for yourself. <laughs> I can't say I uh, oh, am that familiar with his work, to be honest with you. Anyway, I'm going to move on to... Little Earthquakes. This one is actually a live version because for some reason I accidentally added the wrong one to both the title track. American Gods. Oh, actually I did watch a bit of that. Now you mentioned it's it. Weird. It's so it was weird. weird. Yeah, we only watched like two episodes and I was like, yeah, I can't get on with this at all. Yeah, it was very odd. And very convoluted. And didn't it have? Yeah. Um, who was that? Um, who was that guy? Who was? Oh, this is really great, isn't it? Who was the guy who was the antiques dealer? Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Yes, Lovejoy yes, it, it did. Uh, Ian, McSh- Ian McShane. Is it? Yes. And the Hollyoaks guy is called Richard Whittle. He played Calvin Valentine in Hollyoaks. There we go. Oh, I don't know. I don't oh, know. He was in Strictly as well. Who 
who ain't. <laughs> no. Maybe because you lived in Liverpool, you watched it a lot. Yeah, no, yeah, they all used to drink in revolutions. Oh, God, there was one in Manchester as well. I think it was probably too expensive for us to drink in most of the time. It was good back then. Oh, the Brighton one's horrible. It's horrendous. But then again, we are, like, well old. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're 20, it's probably still great, but... Oh, remember the last time we went there? They were wheeling people around in oh. shopping trolleys, handing out shots. Hideous. <laughs> there was one of the... One of the... <laughs> not the conga line, although I think we... Probably with some of the people that we were with actually did a conga line horrendously. <laughs> What's the thing where you go on limbo? Oh god. Yeah. Limbo I was like fuck oh, no. no. There's no, no way, sorry. Hell to the no. Anyway. Now I'm wondering if it's not the night birds outside my door. I'm really rowdy lately. The birds. Oh, I don't hear them. Yeah, it's like dark. I'm like, what are you doing? It's the birds. It's the night time. <laughs> I watched that recently. <laughs> Rewatched it. It's still good. I was thinking of this scene. You haven't watched um, Shit's Creek, have you? No. Oh, you must do. I was thinking of the scene with the, <laughs> the crows or the ravens. What it was. So funny. <laughs> I wondered, we're nearly at the end. Um, I wondered if you would be into us playing a little bit of um, the Frozen cover version? Lanigan's River uh, River Rise absolutely up for because that yeah. I don't know why but it really just made me this album made me think of of that okay that lovely melodic absolutely up for that um, but in the meantime you can find us on various forms of social media you can track us down at Instagram Satyosmeogenics uh, Podcast you can find us on Twitter SatyosmeogenicsP you can leave a voice message for us on Anchor FM please do that a five-star review on that would be great, even if you, you know, if you're not really sure if it's four and a half or what. <laughs> just, just go for it. Just round it up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you can review us on Spotify, I think, as well. You can, yes, leave a rating. Oh, leave a rating. Uh, do that. Yeah. Do it. And um, we will be back with, predictably, with B next week. <laughs> um, and in the meantime... R.I.P. to the ledge that was Mark Lanigan.
nothing's beside